and a huge welcome to this episode of Haunted Histories with yours truly, Penny Griffiths Morgan. I hope you're all well. I hope you all had a good Halloween. And um, yeah, those of you who've got pets or children or have autism, those kind of things which are causing the fireworks are causing problems with, I hope you're getting through it. Okay, hopefully it'll be over soon. Anyway, on this show, on this show, I've got two good friends of mine who I haven't interviewed for a while. Um, I'm not sure why that is, apart from the fact that it normally descends into a complete and utter Mickey take of each other on the show and me being called something that's not my name. Yeah. Is it Paul? It's Paul from <laughs> Haunted Magazine, everyone. Hello, Peggy. Nice hello, hello. Again. Yes. Are you, do you want to get it out of your system, Paul, what you call me before we start? I, I call you Penny Griffiths Morgan, don't I, all the time? Peggy. 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 <laughs> well, I can't even remember where Peggy came yes. from. Is it just you? Well, mis- I think the, the, PG. the best thing is, though, is what it is? because everyone else calls you Peggy now. Oh. I mean, Andy, <laughs> when me and Andy are chatting, Andy will say, have you got Peggy's feature? I'm like, okay, I know what you mean now. So I think at Bo- also at Bosworth, I'm sure Lorian said, hi, Peggy. I'm sure she did. I think that's what you're known as, Peggy. So, <laughs> she only said it after you said it because she saw it made me go, ah! She's, yeah, she started doing it, but that's easy with her. I just call her Laura. Um, <laughs> Well, I've got a friend who's, whose name is Lorna, and she, oh, so many people think she's mis, sort of spoken it wrong, and it's actually Laura. So it's it's very easy to yeah, we're Laurie, and I just call her Laura if she calls me Peggy. Um, but yeah, so so boys, what and keep it clean. What have you been up to? Go on, Paul. He can't keep it clean. Can um, what since we last spoke on on this on this on this uh, format. Well, obviously, COVID, it, it is um, in terms of socialising and mm. in terms of investigations, in terms of live streams, that sort of uh, went down the pan for 18 months or so. Um, luckily, the magazine kind of in that gap went from went from strength to strength mm. because people wanted to read more uh, and appreciated uh, reading material more stuck at home. So yeah. from that side of at that side of things that that improved but yeah we miss ghost hunting big time big time um so our last event was at Haunted antiques march 2020 andy um yeah. march 10th march 11th we actually had a, an event booked at bosworth which we cancelled because mm. obviously um we knew it was going to get worse and then our next event our next live was about 16 17 months later so it was a it was a hard time uh, for a lot of people. Um, but yeah, I'm, we miss ghost hunting big time. Thing is, the last eighteen months, two years have been that it has been something we. I I always say fact is weirder than fiction, and and people mm. ah, no no honestly, you could think of the worst horror film, and I guarantee I can find you something historically accurate that's worse. <laughs> Who would have guessed two years ago? What the last eighteen months was going to be like, yeah. um, you know, the, the Chinese—they <laughs> would have guessed. You're going to get me taken off air with things like that. <laughs> um, in China. But no, but in all seriousness, who would have thought in the 21st century we we're going to have a modern-day plague? 
that was worldwide. Although, if you think about it historically, there's there's generally one of this kind of event each century. Yes, there is. Yeah. It's generally in the early part of a century. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I suppose we're just about due. It's just a shame we didn't think about preparing ourselves a bit better for it. It's, it's probably yeah, a case it's, it can't happen to us. We've got science, we've got medicine, we've got, you know, um, and kind of almost like an arrogance that it would never totally to us. But uh, um, I mean, it's, it's going to be one of those things that in 100 years, kids are going to study in the history books. And yeah. if, I'd love to sort of snap forward 100 yeah, years. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's funny because, you know, dri- sorry, driving, driving down to Haunted Antiques in, in, for the events in February, March. We were, we were talking about it. Saying, oh, yeah, there's about three cases today, mm. and, you know, and sadly two deaths today or whatever. But it's, and we never expect it to be globally, you know, no. as, bad as, it, as bad as it got. No. Um, so, yeah, it was just one of them things. And, you know, we, we just decided to shut shop on, in terms of the investigations uh, and, and for lives because you couldn't meet, you couldn't. Uh, and it, it, it would it, towards it felt wrong to to be out there. Yeah, yeah. It was the, I, I think know people it was did and everything. People streamed live still. Yeah. But to, yeah, towards it we, felt the right we thing were to pretty do. Instant. Not to. Yeah, we pretty, yeah we were just to to lock everything down. Um, want of a better word, uh, and, and just carry on with the magazine and and spend time with his families and mm. I, I said to you before I think I, I've read so much in, the, in that 18 months I've read so much mm. unbelievable how much I read yeah uh Beano Dandy that you know <laughs> kind of thing <laughs> no, I'm um but um yeah I think I, I also think now we're kind of back to normal so ish people say mm. I think a lot of people have changed people change the perception of life perception of family perception of um going to shops I mean I still wear I, I still go to shops and I, I still wear a mask I, mm-hmm. I, you know I still put masks on when I when I'm when I, if, if there's people I don't know uh that kind of thing just because it's the way I want to be I mean people mm. are, are different now I guess but it's it's, it's personal choice but mm. that's how I how I feel about it at the minute Do you know what I think the worst thing is about not having to wear a mask all the time I can't pretend I don't recognize people when I don't want to talk to them or i can't pretend my glasses are fogged up sorry i didn't see you yeah that kind of thing yeah in all seriousness yeah i'd say my condolences to anyone who has lost someone due to covid over the last 18 months and and to be fair it is still out there so you do still need to be sort of careful and and at this point it has to be said it's looking like anybody that's been double vaccinated that that actual efficacy is is waning so mm. you know we're, we're not definitely out of the woods yet until we have a regular sort of uh vaccine booster or or tablet to get us through these things uh we're, we're going to stay in this probably for the next few years it's going to uh, become like flu i mean at the end yeah. of the day flu can kill especially if you've got yeah. a low immune system all those kind of things this is going to be the same um, but I'm sure it'll be one of those things that they find out better and better ways to deal with it when somebody does contract it and it's not going to be such, and it's not going to be the, um, mm-hmm. the number of people descending on, on hospitals because of it. But, um, yeah. I know the care homes I deal with in my day job, it's still, 
a risk there and even though they do let visitors in now you have to prove you've done a uh, you've had a negative lateral flow test if you're coughing they ask you to leave um although it is it is the best way to clear your seat if you're sitting on a bus is to start coughing even though I, I can't remember where I was recently but I swallowed the wrong way you know and you swallow the wrong way and then you start coughing and I couldn't stop coughing and I had people literally and you can't if I, I'm sure I'll put this in the video thing but I had people doing this away from me and I'm trying to say I'm choking I'm fine I'm just choking I'm um but yeah it's been a it's been a weird it's been a weird time but um yeah everyone those people who are got to be responsible got to take care of each other and uh hopefully everything's starting to come back so there has been some quite exciting news about the magazine hasn't there not just the fact that I'm still writing for it that's exciting enough What's the exciting news, boys? The exciting news magazine. Do, do we need a drum roll or anything? I don't know. <laughs> Not telling you. No, Andy, Andy can say one, Andy. Well, he can, but you're the one that's been doing all the hard work on, on all this behind the scenes. Uh, so we've, we've kind of grown substantially bigger in terms of the people that we're reaching. Um, we've been, uh, we've had a very good test run uh, with Barnes and Noble in the US, and um, the second one, uh, well, it's our issue thirty-one, is it? Yeah, that one. Uh, that's just gone live, I think, in in their stores over there. Uh, we've obviously got yeah. the US arm that's mm -hmm. been growing as well with the fantastic Dan Clay's, uh, who is just he's he's basically been an, an absolute revelation for us over yeah. there um to the to the point now where he's he's got a shop with all of our stuff in there and some things in his shop you can't get over in this country at this point uh and but more importantly i suppose from, from the uk shores and and the perspective here we are growing here as well we're, we're we're probably getting ourselves into arguably the biggest shop window of all magazines uh which is wh smiths and um we're going to be in the biggest stores to start off with see how we go and hopefully grow and grow from there it's um it's been a long time coming i mean we've we were obviously it was there before i joined um but now this is kind of the renaissance and fingers crossed this is it now and this is the sort of the snowball that gets bigger and bigger we know that from the feedback that we're getting from people on the magazine that they continue to be engaged by it. They continue to enjoy our take on what's paranormal. Um, and, and certainly from a design aspect, it's always encouraging that people seem to, to dig what I'm doing from that perspective. But there's no doubt about it that we're, we're getting new subscribers from places that we genuinely haven't tapped into. And so that it can only get bigger and better for the magazine and, and the more people we have reading it the more people we have advertising with us it's just going to grow and grow and grow and that, that's such a, a great thing to be involved with and also i'd have to say because we're now in these bigger shop windows the talent of the material that comes through to us from independent writers and authors and, and some people from, from media uh, in, in line with paranormal it's, it's just absolutely fantastic and you can literally read this magazine cover to cover and have some kind of new thing pretty much every other page it's, it's just a thrill so 
I think that's really where we're we're kind of growing bigger and bigger and let's keep it going. Is that your sort of way of telling me I've got a P45 coming? Not at all. <laughs> in fact, in this feature, it's a feature that you wrote for us quite a while ago. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. it's uncanny. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a I, picture just, in there that's Andy's Benedict right. Cumberbatch, I'm sure right. it is. Sorry, what was that, Paul? <laughs> I mean, Andy, Andy's bang on. Andy's right. I mean, you know, the, you, you, we have stockists at Orange Antiques. And if you go to Orange Antiques, you, you go in there because you're into... Uh, you want to shop at uh, that kind of shop and you want to ghost hunt. Being in WH Smiths, it's a whole new audience. Mm. I, you know, I go to Smiths and I just flick through the magazines. That, you know, so people there who may be unaware of Haunted in, in the past, they'll, they'll see it on the shelf and they'll flick through and hopefully they'll, they'll pick up a copy. So yeah. it's, it's trying to reach out to a new audience as well, which grows, which grows and grows and grows, fingers crossed. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely... We always say we've, you know, we've crawled before we can walk, and we've walked before we can run. It's it's, it's a good time. It's a good time for the paranormal now after everything's happened. And uh, as Andy said, cracking writers, old ones, new ones, and everything. And uh, they just get like yourself, Penny. You just get the style of the mag, what we're after, what we need. Um, you know, and it all gels with Andy's great design. It all fits together. In a, in, a, in a great paranormal jigsaw puzzle. I've always said that. Well, I do want to take this opportunity to say to you guys, thank you so much for taking a chance on me and asking me to write for the magazine. It was about two years ago now, wasn't it? Um, it's something that I'm still very proud to do and long may it continue. And I'm also, when it does go into WH Smith, I'll be finding my article, finding something that's got Henry Cavill on it and putting me on top so I can say I'm <laughs> Henry Cavill. <laughs> Um, you know, this is listen. This is the beauty of. I mean, Barnes and Noble is great, and that's fantastic. But obviously, we're not in America to go to go to the shops and mm. to go and adjust the magazine so put it put it in prominent positions. With Smiths, we can kind of look into. I mean, I, I always remember being in Smiths originally back in the day, um, in 2010 and everything. And the, my first trip into Smiths, like, when you see it there, well, you know it's. You know, yeah, you've got a copy and everything, but when you see it on a shelf, there's something special about it. Something, you know, and we thought, I think Andy thought the same, we thought digital would overtake print many, many years ago. Yeah. And it was edging towards that way, but it's not. No. I think print is coming back, um, definitely. Well, I, I, think, I don't want to work all day. Just from a book. Uh, sorry. I don't, sorry. I don't want to work all day on a laptop and then come home to read something on a, on a, on a computer. Mm. I'd rather just get a print copy and just flick through it and then put it down and pick it up when I want. And I think a lot of people feel that way now. Yeah. I think even with the books, I mean, I don't know about you, Andy, as you're obviously a published author as well. I still find my the hard copies of my books sell more than the Kindles. But from what you're saying about sort of getting this sort of sense of pride when you walk into WH Smith and see your magazine there, when I'm watching someone's podcast or something and I, they've got a bookshelf and I see one of my books on their bookshelf, I'm like, a sort of thing. It's that kind of, <gasps> oh, wow, <laughs> kind of feeling. So, um, yeah, I know my mum my has already said she will be going into WH Smith. When it, she keeps asking, when's it going to be in? When's it going to be in? She's going to make a special trip into Norwich. and She never goes into Norwich to go into WH Smith, to look and see if it's on the shelf, to turn it to my article and just stand there going, my daughter, 
<laughs> so you <laughs> we'll have to get her a little stand for it, won't we? Yeah, I think it's on December the seventh. Right. Or whether it's going to be a Norwich. I think it's out de December the seventh. Oh, I don't know if she'll go in for December though, because she tends to avoid Norwich during Christmas shopping season. There's too many crowds for her. But no, knowing her, I probably will end up getting a photo of her standing there going with a copy of the magazine. Um, and uh, yeah, she's also told my aunt, who used to work for WH Smith, who's got shares in WH Smith, and she has said if we can send their sales figures up by selling them, oh, wow. would very much appreciate it for her dividends. Very happy. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so back to the point of this this talk for say the next sort of three quarters of an hour, if that's all right with you boys. Bosworth Hall in Market Bosworth. Now. The area itself is probably best known for the infamous Battle of Bosworth Field, which although that happened about sort of five or six miles probably away from actual market Bosworth, it's known as the Battle of Bosworth Field. Um, Richard III, Henry Tudor changed the course of British history, if you like, because it put the Tudors on the throne. Um, not going to get into a conversation about whether Richard III is, is, is talked about unfairly. Um, I think he is based on the research I've been doing, but um, you know, that's what it's probably best known for. But one of the first interviews I think we ever did back in the day was actually on Bosworth Hall about three or four years ago. And, and the energy you two brought to the interview talking about the place, um, I wanted to sort of revisit it, but also start with my question and I'll send it to you first, Paul, and then to you, Andy. What is it about Bosworth Hall that makes you so passionate about the place? Um, I think, I think, um, I don't know what uh, people have been to Bosworth Hall before, but for me, it was when I did the recce, the very first recce did, and met Ruth, who, who was, was the marketing manager, still is, mm -hmm. at Bosworth. And then you, you drive into it, it's Little Village, as you said, Little Village, and you, after the, after all, all the A roads, you go off to Market Bosworth, it's a walled, village um and then you go to the gate and like a fence or whatever and then you go through and to the left on this on this main road to the left is battle of bosworth site mm -hmm. to the right is bosworth hall so you turn right into it and then you met with this grand building mm -hmm. and it's clear there's no trees no nothing it's just it's just there and it's just wow you think wow um it's just so beautiful and yeah it's a living breathing working hotel we've never we've never not denied that but it's just there and it's just as a place and it's just magnificent. And then when you go into the park and you go inside, it's just like going back in time. It's just like stepping back in time. It's a hotel uh, and people are there walking around and they've got great gardens and it's just something about it and the history. I know we talk about history because this is a history podcast and everything and a show, but the history is so up and down with, um, with Bosworth, good, bad, ugly, and everything it, it takes you in so many damn so many wa 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 rabbit holes beg your pardon um and you know some might be true some might be um not true but for me it was just a place it's iconic i mean i've been to many locations ghost hunting but this there's something special about bosworth for me um and the fact that it, it had never been ghost hunted before no, not for many 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 years there's never been an event there never been the public have never had the chance to experience a ghost hunt and, and we felt quite proud to be the first to to bring that to the mm. public because public events are massive now and, and are plenty and this location deserved 
to be investigated. Um, so for me, it was that was a massive buzz. And to do it with the mates, that's even better, you know, so even better. Cool. Andy? Pretty much the same, if I'm honest with you. I mean, it's not a location I'd particularly heard much about. I knew it was a hotel. That was about it. Um, the guys did the recce before me, actually, and we went um, a little bit afterwards. And it's just a spectacular location to be investigating. Mm. And from the moment you go, you know, you go through the gates, you're up the steps, and you're into the foyer, and it's just got this, you can smell history, um, the way the whole place is, is laid out. It, it's just this air of majesty that you can only get in this kind of building. Mm. Uh, the kind of spacious location, you've got the, the, the paintings that are littered around the walls, but it, you, when you're actually in these 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 rooms and when you start picking up on some of the things that you may have, may have happened there, it, it just becomes that little bit more magical. Mm-hmm. And I think that the beauty of, of doing Bosworth is that we've now had the opportunity of doing it, what, probably about nine or ten times, something along those lines. Um, it unravels a little bit more history each time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this time I was I was... I was kind of hoping for something different to what we picked up, but the beauty is what we picked up, we'd never picked up before. Really? So, yeah, I mean, it, nothing that particularly linked to anything that we knew of, and yet we had experiences from all the teams of the same kind of things going on, and that that that's where this becomes all the more fascinating. Mm, definitely. Well, I mean, I, I sort of, I tend to get... I, I do admit when I first saw Bosworth and the first time I saw it was when you guys invited me to the Osborne book launch when I was there on my crutches because I'd broken my ankle two weeks mm-hmm. beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, my, my first reaction on seeing the gates and everything was wow. Um, but because we got had a small room in the sort of the newer build site, it wasn't quite as grand as uh, when you arranged it for my husband and I to go back there again what was it, uh, uh, June this year, because because I'm writing, as you know, I'm writing a book on, on Bosworth, a bit about the Battle of Bosworth, but it's actually going to be called The Battle for Bosworth. And um, anyone who, who knows a bit about the history of it, and I'll just mention Walston Dixie, will possibly know what that's in relation to, and the fact that it has gone through so many incarnations of what it's been used for as well. Um, but I do know that because we got put into one of the suites when we went back there in June. So thank you very much, Ruth, for arranging that. Um, my husband had been a bit like, oh, you spend too much time on all this writing and all this paranormal. And then when he saw the room we got put in, he was like, that's fine. You can keep doing it. That's fine. If we can- <laughs> that's fine. Um, but it's it's it has got that sense of... You can shut your eyes and picture mm-hmm. someone coming down the stairs in a big gown. You know, you can yeah. walk around the grounds and almost sense some of the predecessors walking around there with their hunting dogs. And and even though the grounds itself is a mm-hmm. hundred mm-hmm. what it would have been back in the Dixie days, the Dixies being the family who originally owned it, you still get this sense of how much it kind of lorded over the village if that makes sense. So 
it is it's a very interesting thing but it, you know it does it does make sense we've got a lot of those kind of buildings in the uk let's be honest we have got a lot of these amazing halls in the uk but what fascinated me about bosworth when i did the initial research for you guys a few years ago was all the things that have happened there and all the people that were associated with fascinating (laughs) and i'm still florence a florence dixie person i still think she was amazing so let's talk about some of the things so originally um Mm -hmm. land was originally bought by the chap who the first of the dixies families to buy and this was walston dixie in 1589 he was actually the lord a lord mayor of london at one point and he bought the land but it wasn't for nearly 100 years before anyone built on it and that was that was another um i think that was another no that was beaumont dixie who built on it um, and that was during the periods when it was William of Orange and Queen Mary ruling the country. The baronetcy, if that's the right way of pronouncing it, was created during the reign of Charles II, and that created the baronets. Sounds right to me. <laughs> no, thank you so much, Teach. Um, <laughs> that created the baronets. And, and the one who's probably, I would say, the most famous is the fourth baronet Walston Dixie now I can't use the word I would like to use to describe him because it's a very very naughty swear word but let's just say he doesn't seem to have been the nicest of people he had three wives two of which died on him um can't help but wonder if that was a lucky escape for them because (laughs) Uh, I know with his first wife, Anne, Anna, she's known as both. Um, he, I don't know if you know this story, she had a maid, her like lady, like equivalent of a lady in waiting, who he had arrested and taken to court for stealing from them. Basically, because he'd found a letter she'd written to his wife saying, don't marry him, marry this other guy, he's a Wally. I'm kind of paraphrasing that. And he took umbrage at that and had her arrested for thieving. And this case was wow. actually heard in the old... Did you not know this, Andy? No. It's actually helped. Oh, it's all in the new book that's going to be coming out ready for the Festival of the Unexplained, which is taking part at Bosworth. <laughs> there you go. And you two are writing the forward for it, just to remind you. Um, <laughs> yes, he had her arrested. The case was held in the Old Bailey. In fact, the record... You can actually still read the transcripts online. Um, and... They actually found her innocent. But what was interesting is Anne Dixie wanted to come and give evidence, but she was heavily pregnant at the time. And he said she couldn't leave because she was too pregnant to travel to London. She came back with a comment that it wasn't that I'm too pregnant. It's that you won't let me further than three miles away from the hall. (laughs) Doesn't sound the healthiest of relationships. Um, She... No. Now, she was the mother of the very famous spirit known as the Grey Lady. What do you guys know about the Grey Lady? Don't know which oh, there's more than me. <laughs> um, yeah, well, um, what I know is that whatever I say, you'll just super, you'll just super trump me again. <laughs> so, um, no, what we. So where do I I'll mute? Do a short, short Where's version the mute button? Where's the mute button? Sorry, go on. Um, the short version is she was seeing uh, the gardener 
or, or a handyman type person. And in those days, that didn't happen. Gentry didn't mix with the, the common folk. Um, Walston found out about it, set a man trap to hopefully capture the gardener. Unfortunately, Anne got caught in the man trap. Now, this is where the story kind of splits because to me, this, I've, I've heard two versions. One that she bled to death and died there. One that she managed to struggle uh, to her bedroom, the, the Norfolk suite as it is now, bridal suite, and, and she died in a bed. Mm. So maybe you can direct us down the correct rabbit hole, Penny. I wish I could, because there is no real document that I have been able to locate now. I can confirm he did have a daughter called, known as Anne or Anna. She was born to his first wife, Anne, Anna. Um, this is in parish records, so I can confirm this. Now, from what I've made out, his wife actually died either whilst giving birth or shortly after giving birth, because back in the 1700s, the 18th century, well, actually not until about the mid-1900s, to be honest, giving birth was actually quite a dangerous business for women. And it wasn't just, you know, some of the things that happened whilst they're giving birth. It was infections afterwards because nobody knew about sanitary equipment and everything else. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So whether that his wife gave, died giving birth or just after birth, I'm, I can't quite find out, but she definitely died having this daughter as a result of having this daughter. She also, I also found that the daughter did die as an older teenager, um, if they're it's rough 18 or 19 years old. So that part of the story is true because that's part of the story that says that she was 18, 19. She was seeing, um, some say it was a, a gardener, handyman. Some say it was actually the son of a local far, squire farmer, um, but he wasn't whoever he was, landed gentry. But apparently Walston hated his family, absolutely hated them. I think he hated most people, to be quite honest. So that's quite plausible. Um, yes, she found out that dad had set a bear trap, man trap to catch him, went out to warn him and stepped in the trap by mistake. So the story I've read is that someone found her, released her from the trap, and helped her back to the house. And she died in the house from blood loss, septicemia. Not quite sure, because obviously back then you don't have very involved records, mm -hmm. you birth and death records, and that's pretty much about it. So he did have a daughter who did die as a teenager, and there is not a lot. She never married, never had children. Well, so that part of the story is definitely true. Um, mm -hmm. urban myth about the bear trap, man trap, I don't know. But interestingly enough, back in the, fast forward to the 1950s when it was a hospital, they used to do a Halloween event. And apparently a local family who owned said bear trap used to display the bear trap in the hope that it would bring the grey lady to haunt people. Oh, wow. wow. True story. Yeah. I found I found the accounts of that. Um, uh, so they think they got they 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 believe they own the official trap. Um I'd almost be inclined to find a bit of money to take it and see if there's any blood residue on it and if there was have it DNA tested, but that's just me. <laughs> that's just me. So 
I mean, Sammy, for hundreds of years, has been said is true. Was that was that the first? Well, do you know when the first reference to the Grey Lady was? Was that the first ever reference, or was it been mentioned before in, in records, Penny? I've not found it mentioned anywhere else. It, it seems to be. I mean, whether <sighs> there's nothing documented that I have found during the research I've been doing that mentions it. Um, but it was something that, I mean, the hospital, it became a hospital mm-hmm. in 1936. So it seems that it was known about then because they used it for some of their fundraising activities because this Halloween spooky thing where they, they, they took people down into the cellars to try and it, it kind of like a Halloween haunted house, I suppose you could say, was to raise money for the hospital to buy stuff. And they'd been doing that for a good few years. So obviously the, the legend was around then earlier you know 1930s whether mm-hmm. I whether whether it was something one of the few the previous owners had mentioned the Tolomash Scott who took it over after the Dixie family had to sell up maybe he experienced it I don't know don't know there's not a lot of, to be fair there's not a lot of writing about it that I've been able to find as as sources or you know there's no real diaries been kept that which is normally a good way of the 17 and 1800s to find out information. Um, but he definitely did have a daughter who definitely did die at the right age. So do you, so a lady. Yep. So do you think it's an urban myth then, or do you think it's a legend that's grown and grown, or do you think it's there's some substance to it or not? I, knowing what I have read as fact about Wollstone Dixie, <laughs> um, I do actually think a bear trap is even extreme for him. Um, he tended to, he seemed to be the kind of person who was a bully, but lost out quite a lot, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. The chap he's meant to have had the big fight with in the infamous, the, what he called the Battle of Bosworth, when he had a scrap with a fellow landowner he came off worse than the other guy even though he liked to make out he was the big guy am he actually came off worse um so would he set something that would potentially kill someone i i don't even know if he was that i'd like to think it's it's urban myth that yes there was mm-hmm. it it could be that it could be something as simple as she developed hypothermia whilst waiting for the boyfriend in the woods um, or some well, kind of blood yeah. poisoning from yeah. something an driven from bite. scratch or yeah. anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Lyme's so, disease and all sorts of things that yeah, we know but, about now, but wouldn't yeah. have been known back in that time. No. I mean, um, what what is fairly clear is that when we've investigated things like the Norfolk Suite, and then there's also a room that's across the top of where the fireplace resides, which is supposed to have had this thing of blood pouring down it and has been seen pouring down it in the past. Um, we are definitely getting, when we're using our devices, the name Anne coming through mm. over and over again and all sorts of stuff. I mean, we, I mean, the, the night we had recently was just electric with the yeah. amount of activity we were getting in the Norfolk suite. It was, we, we've never quite, Paul and I both were quite shocked by this, I think. Uh, the amount yeah. of just things that were happening is off the scale. I think it's probably the most active 
investigation that I've ever been on uh, throughout all of them. I mean, I, I've seen things that I can cannot explain properly, mm. but this this night in particular, because we've got we've got three new people in the group that we have, but but we're just all experiencing something. Yeah. Whether that be the strange shadows, we had the grey lady appear on the um, Alice device. We mm. we had, uh, as I say, Anne's name came up a good three times when we were in there, but also the the photos that we've taken. There's just all sorts of stuff that whatever did happen in that particular instance has clearly left an imprint in the walls of Bosworth Hall. And, I, and whether that's Andixie or whether it is something else that's the events that have been purported as that, something strong has definitely happened there that well, we keep picking up on. And, and, again, unraveling. Playing devil's advocate here, she wasn't the only Anne to have died there. Okay. Her mother died there as well. And her mother, sure if her mother died in childbirth, yeah. she could have hemorrhaged. Yeah, that's a very fair point. That's a very uh, fair point. Especially because of the, the whole thing of this visual element of, of blood dripping down the walls. Well, there is a bathroom in the other suite over the top. And if, if somebody was, you know, having to, the maids or something, so in the bath trying to get rid of this blood from, from the, the sheets and from her, her nightwear as she had been wearing, because that had been quite a, a chunky bit of material in itself. Mm -hmm. That in itself, if there was a problem with plumbing at the time, that could have ended up sprinkling stuff down there. And again, that, that imprint, that residue of whatever happened, it, yeah. it's definitely there. Well, the interesting thing is that uh, Karen Frey stayed in that room didn't she? And she told yeah. me he was picking up on a girl who was a maid. She wasn't picking up on um, Anne, Dixie, per se, like mm. an owner. She was picking up on a maid. So what you're saying is is quite possible. When, when we did our vigil in that, we were practicing playing with the Estes method. And uh, Jane Rowley, the amazing Jane Rowley, went She's great. on. Now... Yeah. I'd written down the things that she was saying because it sounded someone who was so miserable. Who's, she just kept saying, I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm dying. And after a while, I got, I was getting a bit concerned. I said, let's bring her out of it. Take the, cause you know, you, you know, when you do the Estes, you almost go into a trance, don't you? You don't really have any mm. idea of what's going on. I said, look, I'll take her, I'll do it. And um, because I wanted to see if I got the same things coming through that she did, because I wondered if it was her mediumistic abilities that were picking up on something, then and then it was channeling through the spirit box. I didn't get the same thing as her. I got a male energy. She had got this female energy that she she said didn't feel like she belonged there. She she was in she shouldn't have been in that room, sort of thing. Now the other thing was she actually did go in. I she said she had a headache, so she carried on, on lying on the bed when I was lying next to her with the, the headphones on. She actually went into a trance and even Neil was a bit concerned. He couldn't pull her out of it. Um, oh. All she kept saying, I mean, you know, she kept saying is I'm dying. I'm dying. I feel very ill. I'm dying. And when you've got someone who's lying next, I, I, I felt someone lean over me because I had my eyes shut and headphones on. And, and I was very sort of like, well, get on with it. Apparently I was coming out with things like, well, get on with it then. Go to the chapel. Get on with it. Stop, <laughs> stop being silly. Get on with it. And I couldn't hear what she was saying because they were noise cancelling headphones. But I suddenly sort of came out of it because I felt someone leaning over me. I thought, you know, when you can feel someone, when you've got your eyes shut, you can feel like uh -huh. a change in the atmosphere. I felt someone lean over me and I sort of shot, mm -hmm. shot up. And at that point, 
you know, there's something like Jane, Jane, come on, Jane. Um, there's an irony to what you've just said there, because we have uh, a couple of photos floating around that uh, sh- seem to show a shadow leaning over on the bed. Really? Uh, it, yes, yeah. it's it's quite yeah, one spooky. Of one of them almost looks quite um, demonic or Diablo type thing, a, d- a little devil type figure as, as it leans across. I didn't. Uh, I didn't feel it. I felt more. It was. It was quite a large presence. I thought it was one of the the, yeah. the blokes leaning over me. That's how it felt. It felt like a. Well, this, it's almost like a hand leaning over with the face of something, and it's in a shadow on where the bed is. Um, and then also next to the bed, I mean, the, the thing that you have to be kind of cautious of is that most cameras now in night modes have artificial intelligence that's yeah. trying to bring out what's there in the night. So so you're never going to be 100% certain that this is what actually is the case. But there's one that we've got where it does look like blood has dripped down the wall next to the bed onto the floor. And it looks like residue on the floor. It's it's odd. I mean, it's the, it's the colour of dried blood. So it's more like a dark sort of mm. brown type thing. But it, it's it's a really unusual set of photos that we've got in there. And and also we, we had light anomalies. I'm not talking orbs here. I'm talking about physical bodies of light mm. that had got into the camera. And this wasn't the camera flash. And it wasn't a finger in front of the lens because we were all watching as it was being filmed. And there was something right near me that was just a ball of light that made no real sense on the footage that we were getting. So, so that room, there is, there's definitely something really charged in there. And it does not surprise me that both you and Jane had experiences in there. It yeah. was something else. No, it was, it was very, it was, say, it was interesting, but it does make me wonder, if, I mean, as for the grey lady... I genuinely don't know whether it's true or not, but I do. What I do know is true that he did have a daughter who did die as a teenager. Um, so it could be. Um, and I say I have found reference sort of in the 1940s, 1950s to the man trap, supposed being owned by this family who lived nearby. Um, but I still can't say unequivocally it really, really happened because I don't know. I just feel that even that would be harsh for for even for someone like Wollstone Dixie who was a pugnacious bully basically I mean but then I've also felt you know the other the other link to him was the fact that he hired Samuel Johnson Dr Johnson to work at mm. the Worth grammar school and made him sleep stay in the house stay in the hall rather than give him his own lodgings there's even discrepancies there that I found that Johnson literally gave it two weeks as a teacher before he said no I'm not doing this it's not for me the kids don't respect me basically and it's like who gets respected after two weeks who's never taught before I mean <laughs> so that uh, um, I, I do I do think that Walston the fourth baronet was well he was an arsehole he was a complete bullying arsehole I suppose as bad as I can tell you without being taken off air and that's that is based on fact I mean what he did to his wife's maid she actually ended up resuing him. By the way, she she sued him for distress. Um, she only won like I don't know a pound or something ridiculous. But she took him to court for accusing her when she'd done nothing wrong. Which I just, I <laughs> go girl. Um, but yes, whether he was as whether I don't I don't know about the grey lady or or maybe it's the reason she haunts there is unrequited love. She didn't get to mm-hmm. marry awesome. love of her life. 
I mean, I think that the beauty of Bosworth is that it's it, it, it doesn't sell itself as a, as a haunted house. That's the wow. beauty of it. The events are few and far between. Um, obviously, it's more of a wedding corporate venue for events and stuff. There is, I mean, uh, we went in for the recce in the first event and there's a, there was like um, information on the Grey Lady and, mm. and the, the story of it. But it never, it never sort of like sells itself as they want events week after week after week. No. And that's what we, that's another attraction to it. It was like three or four events a year, two or three events a year. And it becomes, I don't know, more attractive that way mm. rather than having be in the same place week in, week out. And, uh, and you know, and the fact, well, you know, this, the Grey Lady legend, it's, it's just, it, it appeals to me because there's blue ladies, white ladies, grey ladies all over the place. You know, the fact that they can't, you can't find any factual um, information about it. I mean, I don't know if you can find any factual information about any any coloured ladies in grey, white, blue, ghosts, that kind of thing in, in the first place. You know, so, but I just find the, the whole the whole thing fascinating. You know, if it, has, if it is a ghost story that people told the kids in the 1900s or whenever, it's obviously grown from that and Bosworth seemed to, uh, I mean, we, we've heard stories, Andy and I, and, and the rest of the Haunted Live guys, about staff who've seen it and mm. guests who left the room. In fact, we put some, we put, after the event, I don't know if you saw it, Penny, we put the, about thank you for everybody coming uh, and about the Norfolk suite and everything. Yeah, I saw and that. one person who wasn't there said, oh, we went there, tagged her husband, you know, tagged somebody in and said, oh. we had to leave at midnight because it was yeah. just so scary. Yeah. Um, she messaged you know, and said, could you uh, tell me what happened? And I haven't heard back from her, which is a No, shame. no, it's ridiculous. And then we, uh, we, the story of a bloke on his, uh, a big burly bloke starting nights, his first shift, he saw, opened the swinging door to the kitchen, saw something. Uh, he says, he said, I saw an old, a young woman stood there in, in grey or, or old clothes, never seen again, left his job, never come back. Uh, so it's not just ghost hunters who are wanting or yeah. seeing or, or are trying to experience something. It's the staff, it's the guests. And that makes it a little bit more magical as well for me. I'm not saying that the grey lady doesn't exist, that there's not a spirit. No. Who's, uh, what I'm saying is the story that's been attributed to her. I can't, I can, mm. I can, I can confirm historically bits of it, but not all of it. Um, who knows? Who knows? Now, you, go on. I was going to say, have you, do you know, where she, is, she, is she buried locally or is she buried in the church or do you know that or? Ooh. Good question. I don't know. I don't know. Mm. I mean, the fact that she died in the 1700s, she probably won't still have a grave unless there's right. a family crypt, which I don't think goes back that far when I last checked. But that's a good question, actually. I'll have to have a look. Mm. I'll have a look. Um, but like with a lot of things with the Dixie family, there's certain things that are not very well written about. They seem to like to shush Hush, hush things up or they did um there's a couple of members who of the family who trying to find information about is is nine impossible because i mean i you know writing for the book i had 11 baronets to look up and some of them are a lot easier to find information on than others and funnily enough the ones that are easy to find information on have normally got a lot of um prestigious things attached to their names but one of the ones that I, I kind of like, <laughs> and I'm not going to talk about all of them because some of them, you're just going to have to read the book. 
to find out about one of them that I found quite a bit of information about, which uh, I hope it doesn't offend the Dixie family who's still around. Um, no judgment from me. Um, was ABCD, who was married to the amazing Florence Dixie. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. just girl power. That, that, I, I, I tell you what, I would kind of pay to run into her there if she's I don't think she is there I don't get the feeling she is anymore (laughs) but interestingly enough when I stayed in was it the savage suite I think I stayed in when I was there I was running the the spirit box and I heard it and my husband heard it someone I I could hear a male voice and I said who is this and the answer came back as Bo I said is that Bo yes Bo now, yeah. who was Florence's nickname for ABCD? Awesome. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, want... do you know if they got on? I mean, look, look, yeah. looking at the characters, looking at their, their personalities from what we know, they couldn't be so much further apart, couldn't they, really, in terms of I think in they were madly of what, in love. what Florence did and I what ABCD did. They were madly in love. I I'm, I I still say from what I the research mm-hmm. I've done, um, she wore the trousers, she was the boss. But then again, she came from quite a a, a good background, the Douglas family from up uh, Scotland. Um, I mean, there's all links. Mm-hmm. To, um, Orson Well, not Orson Wells. Who am I talking about? Oh, the Irish guy, the gay poet who ended up dying of Chibuk, um Oscar Wilde. Oscar Wilde, thank you. Yes, it it was uh, it was her family that basically caused his downfall because uh, he was having a relationship with one of them. Um, <laughs> did you not know that? Yeah, you've you've heard of the Mark the Queen's no. rules, as in foot, uh, yes. rugby, not rugby, boxing, even. Oh God. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That was yeah. her brother who came up with that, and it was his son who mm-hmm. was having a fling with Oscar Wilde and he was so incensed by it he took him to court for indecency and everything else and it was on the back of that eventually that Oscar Wilde ended up doing hard labour in prison and developed it was tuberculosis in the end so yes so the Douglas family were responsible for Oscar Wilde's downfall um the love that did not speak wasn't she wasn't she involved sorry Penn wasn't she involved in some kind of Early women's football, FA yeah. of women. She was, well, so. yeah, she was, yeah. yeah. Yep, she was, she she was an amazing, I mean, you yeah, know. Right, she was a modern day. She, she was yeah. phenomenal. She, it surprises me more people haven't written about her. Um, but then again, some of the things she did in her early days would be seen in today's society as very distasteful. She was a hunter. She liked hunting, everything. Um, in fact, mm-hmm. she had to postpone mm-hmm. a wedding to Bo. Um, because she was out hunting with hounds and fell off a horse and kicked in the face. Um, and so couldn't get married to him when they'd originally planned to. She had to delay the wedding because of the injuries. Uh, she could hunt. She she actually, one of the books she wrote, um, I think it's called Across Patagonia. They, Her and Bo used to do these trips together. That They would go together. They would leave their young children at home in nannies and go away for months on end on these exploratory trips and they went to Patagonia in South America and, and she would be hunting with guns and knives and everything else as much as the men for food. Um, she actually invented 
a pair of trousers that women could wear underneath their skirts for riding to make it more comfortable. Um, she's amazing. She's actually amazing. But she's she she say she did things that nowadays people would be a bit like, oh no, you can't do that. But back in the 1800s, it was acceptable. But it's funny that hunting in Patagonia yeah. turned her into a vegetarian. She was actually quite, she was quite high up, (laughs) believe it or not, vegetarian movement. And and she attributes seeing the, basically the light going out of an animal's eyes when she had to, it had been uh, shot, but it wasn't dead. So she had to slit its throat to put it out of its misery because they were hunting for food. They weren't hunting just to kill. They were hunting for food. They'd hunt for what they needed. Um, And she said that really affected her. And she ended up becoming a vegetarian. Wow. Um, oh, she crazy, was, it? crazy. She is she's an amazing woman, but no, I think her and Bo, it was well, real. I mean and yeah, I mean this is this is why the, the, the there's a green plaque about her, isn't it? When you went when you walk when you yeah. enter Bosworth Gates, there's a green plaque and and rightly so, and deservedly so, mm-hmm. um on the on the uh, entrance to Bosworth Gate, you know, Bosworth mm-hmm. Hall. Um yeah. Amazing yeah, person, amazing. amazing lady. She was amazing. Like I say, not the kind of person that would appeal to everyone, but when you look at how, how she wasn't just a feminist, she she was powerful, uh, very talented writer as well. Um, so, I, I, but I wonder if, but it was because of Bo had a gambling problem, um, and he wasn't good with money either. And that's why they had to sell the hall to pay off the debts. So, but it was very, yeah, strange. Like I say a spirit box. And it wasn't just me. I, because I was sitting near the windowsill and Wayne was on the far side and he heard it say Bo as well. Now I hadn't told him any of that history. <laughs> he wouldn't have been predispositioned to hearing that name. Yeah. Um, so I do wonder if ABCD is still loitering around wanting to talk to people. Interesting. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, I mean, we did a, an experiment night, uh, which we basically, it was, it was all look-based experiments on Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. But after we'd done the experiments, there seemed to be a bit of a of ABCD coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, and also this feeling that the way he actually lost the hall was actually down to something a little more nefarious and there was some cheating involved. Uh, and that came through just through, well, we had the the uh, devices going and everything, but it, it came really as, as like a buildup of the kind of energy of mediumship and all that kind of stuff. And I know it, there's nothing really to back that up, but it just seemed to really indicate that that something else has gone on there and I, I think it was just it was it was fascinating and to be honest with you when we came back after this time I was rather hoping that something more might come in in that particular room um but it we just did didn't. have the we, word we gamble we had the word gamble come up on um like word generators more than once yeah um but we also had the name mm-hmm. Alex come up because I'd been talking about Joseph Alex, the, the naval one who'd only been the POW and everything else, um, and yeah. he's a gambler. So hmm. I, I, I sort of maybe thought it was relating to that, but 
the the thing is with gam i mean with gambling having known a few addicts in my time they always believe it's not right that they've lost their money something's you know, they always believe that they've been cheated mm. their winnings don't they yeah yeah, so yeah that that wouldn't surprise me if the feeling of i was wronged i shouldn't have lost my money now from what i've done it from what i've seen a lot of it was to do with horse racing and potentially the trainer who caused him to lose his money did have should we say slightly dodgy methods of winning? Right. Um, so it could have been, it could be, but it was actually Florence, according to the, the stuff I've read that said to him, took over the money and said, we need to clear these debts. The only way we're going to do it is selling stuff. We need to down. Right. So that's what I mean about, you know, for someone, a woman in the 1800s to sort of say she, she was in charge um, but then again, she had been as well with her twin brother. She had a twin brother who who took his own life, um, and she was in charge. She was the leader. She was, you know, she was like my height, if not slightly smaller, so quite small. But she very small, yeah, very small, cheeky. <laughs> Good thing, small packages. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, she was she was in charge. It it, it was it was her. Thing. And I mean, she predeceased ABCD. He did get remarried, but she predeceased him. Um, but I genuinely think they, for a long time, they, they, that it, it was a good partnership. Um, but she would, she would have been, have been able to put someone as forceful as her with her. They would have killed each other. But then again, I think if it was someone who, I don't think he was the sort to push himself to the front. If you know what I mean, he quite liked having someone do stuff for him. Um, so I think if he'd been with someone who was sort of subservient as well, it <laughs> would have been a disaster. Um, yeah. Yeah. Opposites attract. I was, I was just going to say, a lot of people have, when we do events there um, and people talk to us in, in, in the breaks and everything, uh, we always mention the Newgate prison doors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, obviously, there's a connection between uh, the place, but it's just we always, I've always found it weird how two doors from Newgate Prison, and that's obviously down in London, find themselves to be uh, at Bosworth. Mm. Um, I, I think there's a connection between the construction company or, or Tolemash, yeah. something like that. I'm sure you'll, I'm sure you'll, 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 you'll be able to tell. But it's just weird how rather than get rid of the doors, or rather than pass them on somewhere in London. They were shipped up to Leicestershire and just used as doors for for uh, Bosworth. I, I find that also fascinating as well. It is, isn't it? It's that kind of what do, is attached to them still, if you pardon, like not just the hinges. <laughs> mm. um, yeah, exactly. S- selling off of... <laughs> uh, yeah, um, selling off of materials. Badum tish. Selling off of materials in construction is not a new thing. I mean, you know, you look at somewhere like um, the lovely Abbey that Barry John works at up in Nottinghamshire, which Newstead. is Newstead. Thank you. That was yeah. part of an ab, you know, that, that, that did take stone from an Abbey to make, you know, so recycling of materials wasn't a new thing. And if a construction firm can get a few quid for a couple of doors, when they're dismantling a prison, they're not going to say no. 
because mm-hmm. you know they they do it now i know with my husband when there's a building that's being taken down they will try and save the tiles especially if they're old tiles because t- roofers always need them to patch up other houses and they need age specific especially for like great listed buildings and things so it, it's nothing new and i think yes there was a link tolomash scott did have a link with the construction company so he sort of got I mean, these things were going plus i also read that he he likes there a, odd things is there a proof of sale Penny. Hmm? Yeah, was it a, was it a gift or was it was did was it were they purchased or did they just bring them up with them to, to, to my understanding you know, was he purchased were the doors not used anymore did Newgate have new doors or no Newgate was demolished yeah it was when Newgate was being demolished right he so the... applied to right. buy some of the doors the two doors as a sort of, he he did have a reputation of being a collector shall we say of odd things. Uh, although he doesn't really say what odd things in the, the account I read in the newspapers. But no, it was because Newgate got demolished. Mm. Um, so it wasn't that they were getting new doors. The place was getting pulled down. It was when it was getting pulled down in the early, it was the early 20th century, wasn't it? I can't remember if it was turn of the century or just into it. Um, but Newgate got demolished. And uh, yeah, he, he applied to buy some of the doors as a, a talking point. So yeah, so there's so much it stuff. It's just weird, isn't that you walk you, you know, you're walking around this beautiful uh, old house, all, all and these statues and these paintings and these ornate staircases, and then there's just two prison doors just bang over there. It's just weird. I think that's quite cool. You know, I think it's it's sort. It's thing is, if I had old a, murky prison doors, you know, wouldn't you have that sort of shit if you had a place like that? If I owned a place like that, I would have it filled yeah, yeah. with a variety of things from like classic oh, antiques to sort of, you know, almost stuff like Neil Packer has in the mm-hmm. Haunted Antique Centre. It would be a whole, whole mixture. I'm not sure I'd have prison doors, though. Do you I'm not? not sure it's the first on my list. No. Oh, I would. No. I would. Especially on the kids' bedrooms that had a big lock in them. <laughs> That's entirely different. <laughs> <laughs> At least one of those rooms would be soundproof. Do you annoy me? Get in there. <laughs> but that's the thing about this place is it's and there's so you've got you've got such sort of so many stories and we're only you know we've been talking what for nearly an hour and we've exactly. only touched on a few of them. Yeah, exactly. we haven't talked about when it was a hospital and the sort of stuff it would have seen as a hospital because this is one of the things I was because Lorian uh, Lorian from. Um, well, ghost voice, yeah, ghost voice and ghost book fame. We were talking about it and she was, oh, did it start up for a Second World War? And I was like, no, it actually started up in the 1930s following something called the Public Assistance Act, which was when workhouses basically ceased to be and they just called them public assistance institutions. So workhouses by another name, but they were run by the government as opposed, local government, as opposed to the sort of the unions that had done them. And what they realised was they needed a bigger hospital, that the infirmaries that were linked to the local workhouses just weren't big enough. And they actually closed the Hinkley Infirmary and moved all the people from Hinkley to Market Bosworth. And there was quite an upcry, outcry because there was a lot of people saying, well, we can't travel that far. We can't, can't afford the bus to go and see our relatives. And um, there was uh, I read one account of one elderly lady who literally tied herself to her bed in Hinkley because she didn't want to leave. She didn't want to be moved to Bosworth because she'd never see her family again. I mean, it's really, really sad. So it was what they call a public assistance hospital from when it was uh, 1936, when it opened. And then because of its proximity to Gopsall Hall, which is where the um, basically radar training 
it, mm-hmm. and a lot of military as well. Although um, I know you asked me if I could look up someone who somebody got a name from. I found a few it could have been, but none that I can directly link to the regiments that were at Gopsall, unfortunately. It doesn't, it, you know, the, the name exists for sure, um, but I can't link it definitely that they could have had a stay in the hospital mm-hmm. um, because hospital records, it's a hundred years before you can access them. And so unfortunately mm-hmm. I, I can't, I just can't access them. I'm not allowed to. Um, so, yeah. So as a hospital, I mean, it was a hospital for quite a while. Um, and there was only ever three matrons who run it, which is quite, interesting and i know you've had one of their names come up haven't you mabel didn't you mabel came up a few times Mm. she was the first matron she opened it she was the original matron there when it first opened and i think she was there until 1949 so Um, i think in our second or third investigation that we did there that that was when that name came through really strongly yeah Uh, and a lot of military type words kept coming through on the Alice box. Um, I mean, I know you can put all these things down as apophenia, but to be honest, when you get a consistent level of the same kind of words in an order and it starts to all make sense, then that's the beauty of of having the opportunity of seeing this place more and more times. Yeah. Um, I mean, that it really was, um, we had, a lot of orbs and which are always going to be controversial in the paranormal but when you see multiple accounts of these things mm. at the same time from various people taking different photos it becomes interesting mm. the REM pods are going off and then the REM pods are going off when we're doing questions mm. linking to what we've discovered with these names and yeah it's the great thing about investigating such such a location um definitely yeah absolutely Definitely. Well, we could talk for another hour about the hall. I'm sure we could, but that's our time up, I'm afraid. Yeah. It's, so you know. have you got any more events being planned at Boz or are you waiting to see what 2022 brings? I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think obviously Festival of the, of the Unexplained is happening in March. Are you guys going to be there? Um, yeah, we'll be there. We'll be there with the grey lady. Um I'll, I'll try and put some makeup on so I don't look so crappy. You know, we'll, I'm, I'm one of the speakers, so I, I will be there as well. It's awesome. got a cracking lineup, actually. I'm really looking forward I think it's, to meeting people. You know what? It's, it's, been, it's been two years. I mean, there's been lots of online paracons and online festivals, and that's really good. That's been really great. But to do this now in, in March next year, mm. fingers crossed, it'll, everything will be more normal than it is now. And then we can meet people who we've spoken to on Twitter for many years, uh, the TWC boys and like Patty, uh, Negri, and it's just going to be um, and Barry Guy and, and yourself and going to be a meeting of lots of people who are love the same thing from but have, have complete different views on it, and it's just mm. going to be really good. Yeah. Really looking forward to it. And then we'll probably do an event, um, some other either after it or, or I think we tend to do, don't we, Andy? Spring Saltis. Summer solstice and yeah. an Halloween, uh, and yeah, we want Christmas. But obviously, if we can get um, a fourth, then we will. But sometimes yeah. it's just better to have that. The times when yeah. you think that the, the veil is its thinnest is yeah. always the most. Uh, 
fun time to experience that. And I, I mean, the solstice, the summer solstice, we had incredible stuff there that we could talk about another time. Um, it, yeah. The whole place is, it, there's just a little bit of magic about it. And it's, it's the kind of place that as a ghost hunter, you really want to experience. I must admit, next time I go, I want to go when the weather's nice and I want to sit by the water tower for an hour or so, oh, see what comes that's up. That's incredible. It was too to damp me, and a, cold the mean, other day, but, and I didn't actually get finding it with Lorian in the dark because some weird stuff <laughs> with our torches and stuff when we were walking around in the woods. But, um, yeah, it's definitely a place to go back to. So, well, definitely. so much for your time, guys. I do appreciate Pleasure. it. And uh, thank you for writing the forward to the book and the artwork will be done by my favorite designer mr andy hey. oh no I'm <laughs> you, sorry dude no no my favorite <laughs> designer mr andy Sot, who actually if any of you like the theme music to haunted histories he composed it he did and he does know i use it um, first so indeed. Um, so if you like that go and go and go and have a listen and all Mr. Stevenson does is take the mickey out of me and edit a magazine. So, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again for listening to this episode of Haunted Histories. Obviously, you can contact the guys via the Haunted Magazine page, or if you've got a message for them, just bug it to me and I'll send it through to them. Next show will be the Christmas show. God, is it really just nearly going to be December already? That's scary, isn't it? Anyway, on that note, on that note, have a good evening, sleep tight, and don't worry too much about things that go bump in the night.